Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said, amen. I love that video because it perfectly introduces today's subject. We've been in a series that we've been calling, He Shall Be Called. By the way, that's why we do that last song, We Speak the Name of Jesus, because his name has power in it. Amen? And so we've been looking at the names that Isaiah the prophet called Jesus and how his names affect us and what they are, how they translate as gifts for us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Help me out, somebody. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, come on, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, we said last week, again, wrapped up in those four little prophetic names, what I believe to be the perfect Christmas gift. And it's the third of those four names that we're going to focus on this morning. Can you all hear me? Oh, good. And the third of those names is is called the Everlasting Father, the Everlasting Father. And so with that as a backdrop... uh, This morning, I want to highlight and illustrate the reasons I believe the everlasting father aspect of God's persona translates to the perfect Christmas gift. I want us to make no mistakes concerning uh, what the scripture says about him. God is our father. God is our father. And it's important to note that because, because in this, what I call a godless, worldly system that we live in, this is what they keep pushing back on. They don't want to acknowledge that there is a creator and that we are part of his creation. In fact, they claim that there is no God. But as we learned last week in um, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, what does that say? Have been clearly seen. Have been clearly seen being understood from what? How is it understood? By what? has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, if you can look at obvious creation and conclude that there is no God, that it created itself, the Bible has a word for you. Romans chapter 1 verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Fools. In other words, it's foolish to look at obvious design and say there is no Designer, obvious creation, and say there is no creator. In fact, the very first book of the Bible tells us all we need to know. Genesis 1:1 says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." That's a great verse to memorize, by the way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Psalms 24:1 says, and 2 says, "The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it." Turn to someone, say, including you. Someone saying, including me too. The earth is the Lord's. He created it. He designed it. He set it in motion. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And so when Jesus was asked by his disciples to show them how to pray, what did he say? He said in Matthew 6, 9, he says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not Mother Earth, not, not Guyana or whatever that nonsense they're teaching you. 
gay or whatever. It's our Father who is in heaven. So Creator God is our Father, and He's our everlasting Father, and He has revealed His disapprovals throughout scriptures, especially, uh, especially to Isaiah concerning what was going on on the earth at the time. And this is what he said in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. This is what got him so upset. He says, hear me, you heavens, and listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. We touched on that last week. They've rebelled against him. And so for, for those who, again, will, will look at the obvious of what God is doing and uh, and then, the, and then you know, wrongly decide there is no God, we have dedicated a special day for that, for that person. It's called April 1st. <laughs> I'm not joking. So rebellion always leads to sin, and sin separates us from the Father. But the Father loves us too much to leave us separated from him. And, and so his plan all along was even in our rebellion to bring redemption to us. And how do you do that? Isaiah saw it again in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, who's the him he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And what, and what event in history uh, is he referring to when he laid the sins of the world on him? Folks, that's what Calvary is all about. Scripture says, he saw it. He says, he would be wounded for our transgressions, he would be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace would be laid on him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's why he talks. That's what the love of God looks like. John 3:16 says, For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everything concerning the heart of our everlasting father is a love story and a gift to you and to me, and to all mankind. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and many of us plan on giving good gifts to our kids, he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? And, how, and, he, and part of that gifting is the Holy Spirit. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to just go cover some of the good gifts, some of the, the good love gifts that the Father has bestowed upon his creation and for those who would receive it. And what, the first thing I want you to write down is he, the, the gift that he's giving you is he's, be, he's letting you become more like Jesus. He's, 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 he's transforming you into the likeness of Christ. Write that down. John chapter 14, verse 8 says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me, help me out somebody, has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Notice Jesus is walking on the earth, and, and, and Philip, one of his disciples, came up and says, you know, he says, uh, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And he's like, well, wait, I've been walking with you for three years. If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show them to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak, he says, are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Or, he says, at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done 
and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that your son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Listen to me. The moment I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, the process of being made in the image of his son begins. And in that process, when God looks at me, he no longer just sees me because I've accepted Christ. He sees, he sees the Christ in me. And the Bible says, because Jesus, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I and the Father are one. The moment, he says, to, to bring glory to the Father, now that we are one, the moment you accepted Christ, you become one with Jesus. And he gives you the opportunity as you are in his likeness, he says, to ask anything according to, let me give you the caveat, according to his will, and he will do it. Pastor Rick, I asked for a Lamborghini and I didn't get it. I asked, I asked to marry that fine girl down the street, and she married someone else. Come on, somebody. How many know that God's got a plan, and he's got a will? And so what starts to happen is he says, I start to give you, the Bible says one, one, one verse that people like to abuse is, the Bible says, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And I say, and, and, and what does that mean to you? Well, whatever I desire. And I, I literally knew people through the years who would go to the car dealership and lay hands on the car and claim this woman and claim this. And I'm like, that's not what that means. Well, what do you mean that's all it means? No. When he says, I'm going to give you the desires of, of, of your heart, uh, he says, he, he's going to put his desires in your heart. Uh-oh. means... He, he's going to put what he wants you to do in your heart. Come on, somebody. You're going to start to want what he wants for you. Oh, man. You guys aren't getting it. Because you're becoming like him. <laughs> I, want, I, want to be a, I want to be a millionaire, so. <laughs> he's going to give you what he has planned for you to have. All right? And then you're going to start to want what he wants. Now listen to part of Christ's prayer before he left to be with the Father. In John 17, verse 25, he says, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love, your love, your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Listen to me. If you want to know and experience the love of the Father, you've got to get to know his Son. Because in the process of getting to know his son, your desires will become his desires. And then you will start to do the same works. And then you'll be able to ask whatever you, according to his will, and it will be done for you. And understand that as he bears the image of his father, God wants us to bear the image of his son. Amen? In, in thought, in deed, in temperament, that's why you're going to start to change. That's why when I look at people who say they've accepted Christ and, and there's absolutely no change in their lives, I'm like, are you sure you did? Or, or did you just say a prayer? Because the moment you, you truly accept Christ, you start to transform. And you start to desire the things he wants for you. And you start praying according to his will in your life. And he wants, he wants good things for you. He wants you to provide. He, the Bible says don't worry about the thing. He says the very hairs of your head are numbered. Stop worrying about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. He says the pagans or, or the unbelievers, those people, they anxiously get up every day and they have to get their hustle on trying to figure this out. He says that's not what I want for you. 
What I want you to do as my children, he says, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, when you make me a priority, oh, we're going to be talking about that next year. Don't miss next year's message. If you make me a priority, he says, all these things will be added unto you. He says, because I know what you need. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. So when we make that little shift, we start to realize that, that God is our provider. And as we start to fulfill his will and his plans in our lives, he knows how to, you know, to bring you the things that you need. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need a roof over your head. He knows everything that you need. He says, just put me first and I'll make sure that you have them. He wants you to test you and test me in that. Romans 8.29 says this, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become, to become what? If you're trying to figure out what God is planning, what God is doing, there it is in black and white. He knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like Oprah Winfrey. Like LeBron James. Come on, somebody. Like one of the famous singers. Come on. Like Pastor Rick. No, he wants you, he chose you to become like his son. Like his son. That's what's going on. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's the cross. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And this is how he does it. He does it through your next fill-in, the offer of his amazing grace. Write that down. His amazing grace. He, God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. Luke 15, verse 1 and 2 says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus, to, often came to listen to, to Jesus teach. Now, we say tax collector, and it doesn't have as much of a stigma that it had when this was written down. A tax collector and notorious sinners were lumped together because they deserved together. Because if you were a tax collector back then, you were a cheat and a scoundrel. There were things that you were supposed to collect, and in order for them to get rich, what most of them did was they collected more, and they put it in their pocket. So they were known thieves and scoundrels, and these are the people who are coming to Jesus Tax collectors and notorious sinners, fill in the blank for that one, often came to, to listen to Jesus teach. How many, how many times do you see tax notorious sinners coming to listen to preachers preach? That's what was going on. And this made the Pharisees, which were the religious people of the day and the teachers of the religious law, complain, watch this, not that he was reaching the lost, but that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. Oh, my goodness. And Jesus, in another passage, explained to them why he did what he did. He says, it's not those who are well who need a physician. It's those who are sick who need a physician. And Jesus is the great physician. Amen? And so he took time for those who needed him most. And that's when he tells us about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son. I love this story. It's a story that Jesus tells of, of two boys who and one of them demanded his portion of his inheritance from his father before he died. Understand that in the Jewish tradition, if you did that, that would have been seen as a complete insult to the father. You want your money before I die? 
But that's exactly what he did. Jesus is telling the story. And to add insult to injury, he takes his inheritance, large sum of money. He leaves to go to a far-off land, and he blows every cent he had on what the Bible calls wild living. Again, not sure exactly what wild living looked back back then, but I'm sure it probably was similar to what's going on today. Lots of wine, lots of women, partying like a rock star. And after a while, he's doing all this. The Bible says his money ran, runs out, and at the same time, a severe famine hits the land, and now he's broke as a joke. Now, let me just pause just for a moment, because this is not in the message, but, but when I read it again, I just kind of went up in my spirit, because oftentimes, people will come to me and say, well, Pastor Rick, you know, why is God doing this to me? Why is God against me? Listen to me. I thank God for the severe famines and those situations that God allows to come into your life to get you to the place where you finally start looking up. If God allowed you to stay, in your, to stay blessed in your mess, so many people would never turn to Jesus. They would just continue down that path. And so God sometimes allows those storms to come into your life so that you can finally say, yes, no, this ain't working for me. Come on, somebody. This guy, after spending an entire inheritance, a famine was sent in the land. That means there was some kind of drought. There was, no, there was, there was uh, hardships coming on, and, and now he's broke as a joke. He, he lands a, 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 a job feeding pigs, and he's so hungry, the Bible says, listen, that the slop that he's feeding the pigs looks so good to him that he wants to eat it. Now, mind you, he's Jewish. And he's in a pig pen. How many know that Jews don't associate with pigs? I was in Israel. There was not a stick of bacon to be found when I went to the places I went. Come on, somebody. Okay, so, so sitting in a pig pen, feeding pigs, and, and longing to eat what the pigs are eating. How many know you're in bad shape? How hungry do you have to be for that to look appetizing? And as he's sitting there among the pigs, starving, Scripture says he has an epiphany. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, I'm talking to someone out there today. Come on, somebody. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. Big risk. Because his sin was huge and it was a big insult. And that's why, that's why he doesn't even ask to come back as a son. I, I, I've already spent my inheritance. I know that. But maybe I can just go home as a servant and get a job because the servants in my father's house are living better than I am right now. And he gets up. And he starts the journey back home. And I love the father's response as told by Jesus because it reflects the offer of grace that the eternal father offers to every single one of us, even to those of us who've blown it over and over again. For all the prodigals in the house and those who are listening online, listen to what Jesus said in this story, Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, 
filled with love and compassion, he doesn't even wait. He runs to his son. He embraces him. He kisses him. His son said to him, Father, he's rehearsed this. He's been going over this. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf you have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Listen, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Come on, somebody. Folks, the heart of our everlasting father, even in the face of our sin and our rebellion, is that if we repent... If we turn and we start coming home, listen, the Bible says you draw near to God, he draws near to you. He starts running toward you. Someone needs to hear this. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He offers to us the grace we so desperately need in the moment so that we can be completely restored. He didn't say, okay, you come back as a servant in my house. He says, no, you are coming back as a fully restored son in my house. Someone listening to me today needs to hear this because you started in church. Maybe you're online. You started in church and maybe your mom or your grandmom, you know, raised you to this life. But as you got older, you started to drift away from the things of the Lord. Stripped away emotionally, stripped away spiritually. And you start going back into, into other things. And, and, and now, if you're honest, things aren't going well for you. And the consequences for possibly while living in your life are starting to stack up. And you're not sure, listen to me, if you're welcome back home. You are the reason Jesus told this story. For all of those prodigals out there to let them know that the Father's love for them is eternal and he's just waiting. God didn't walk away from you. You walked away from him. And the moment, at any point, you can turn back and start coming back, you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Come on, somebody. That's why he told the story. The Father's love for them is eternal, and he's just waiting and longing for them to come home. Now, the Bible says that the tax collectors and the sinners were coming to hear him in droves because they knew they needed God's forgiveness, and they needed God's grace. And that's what they saw in Jesus. Now listen to this in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Turn to someone and say, You're chosen. Turn to someone who's not paying attention and say, you're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen by the Father. You might not have realized this, but you're chosen by the Father. He says he chose us before the world began. God so loved us that he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. 
and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And the church said, amen. Amen. So he pours out his grace. He offers his grace for all those who will humble themselves and say, Lord, I want what you have. And the third eternal, the third thing the eternal Father's love gift gives to us is a vision for our future. He, a vision for our future. Ephesians 1.9 says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plans. Someone say, God's got a plan. And this is the plan. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we, are, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Someone say he's working it out. God is working it out. He's got a plan. And at the right time, he says everything is going to come under the, under the headship of Jesus Christ. So you might as well start now, making him your, making him your Lord and your Savior. Je- Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me, what does it say? Wholeheartedly you will find me. One translation says, if you, when you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will, see, you will seek him and find him when you get serious about the things of the Lord. It breaks my heart sometimes. See, I've been preaching the gospel for over 20 years. And I've literally seen the people who open their hearts to the things of the Lord. Because I said this, I firmly believe there's a difference between, the only difference between the called and the chosen. Because the Bible says many are called, but only few are chosen. And the scripture says you're chosen. The only difference is that the chosen answer the call. When God called, they picked it up and they, and, they, and they responded. And it breaks my heart because there's so many people who hear the gospel. And the ones who listen, I can see the radical change. The, the, I, from the moment they accepted Jesus, the, the decisions they start to make are different. The, and, and they start not following after the things of the world, but they start doing things and the blessings start coming up. And the ones who have mocked me... <laughs> Ignored or just flat out, you know, I've also watched the, the calamities that have come on their life, and, and it breaks my heart to watch it. And this is what I say. I've had situations like that in my own family. I've been preaching the gospel to people in my own family, and they can't, that some of them are not getting it. And so I said, you know, I'm not saying things are going to be perfect. But I'm just saying things are a whole lot better with Jesus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you make a whole lot of better, better decisions than, you, than, than if he's not. 
you are way more forgiving with Jesus than, you know. And then he blesses it, you know, because he knows how to provide for his own. Now, we are going to be talking about in the, in the next year, putting God first and the power of prioritizing his will for our lives. And so I'm going to ask you when you leave today to grab some cars, invite some people. But when we start to prioritize the Lord, even in the simplest things, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's where all the provisions are. That's where the power is. And when we start to break down, the Lord has put on diff- different aspects in our lives what we can do. We will start to see the hand of God move on our lives. Don't miss that for the next series. Let me give you the, f- the fourth and final area that the, 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 the love gift from the eternal Father uh, comes to us. And that's in, probably most importantly, eternal life to all who want it. Eternal life to all who want it. Again, John 3, 16 and 17 tells us, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Now, we all know those verses. Uh, there's a little story that I used to hear where a kid was asking, well, how, uh, asking a, a, a person, how much does God love us? And, and the person, you know, in a simple illustration says, well, he loved us this much. And then he stretched out both arms. And then he died. In that one act reflects the heart of God and his love toward every single one of us because every one of us was was lost in our own sins, what we all deserve, the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. What we all deserve for the sin in our lives and the rebellion in our hearts, all have sinned. I am not the exception. You are not the exception. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, eternal separation from the Father. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that gift is seen in the cross of Calvary of what God has done. And so... But everyone knows those verses, but we're not as familiar with the second part of those verses, which is verse 18. John 3, 16 and 17, we know. Verse 18, this is what it says. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Listen. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Anyone ever see the show, The Walking Dead? As far as God is concerned, for the people who reject Jesus Christ, they're literally the walking dead. One translation, this is judged, the the NIV translates it as condemned. They're already condemned. They're on death row, okay? They just don't know it. They're on a big, beautiful planet. And this is all they have on this planet. It says, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Folks, the heart of the Father, the eternal Father, 
is to give us eternal life. And he demonstrated his love in this fact that he gave his one and only son. He sent the light into the world, just as Isaiah the prophet saw. He says, he says this is what I have against my children. I've created them, I've raised them, and they've rebelled against me. But out of his love and his compassion, he says, I, I'm going to take care of the problem. And I'm going to send my son to pay the penalty for their sins. And all they have to do is repent and put their trust in him. And that will cover their... But if you reject the light, he says, the, the judgment is already on them. John 4, 14. He says, but those who drink the water, I will... I will those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now let me conclude with just a couple of scriptures to complete the picture. John 17, verse 1. It's called the prayer of Jesus. And this is Jesus praying. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone, whether they know it or not. The Bible says we will stand before Jesus one day and give an account for our lives. He's the judge of the living and the dead. That's what he says. And this is the way we have eternal life. Listen, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 John 5, 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is where? In his son whoever has the son has the life and whoever does not have God's son does not have the life do not be confused or deceived there are not multiple ways to heaven Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life and he says, no man comes to the Father except by me. And John broke it down into the simplest form in terms of eternal life. Eternal life means where you will live eternally, your soul. Everyone's going to die physically. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. At some point, 100 years from now, none of us in this room will be here. So this body's going to fall to the ground. But the scripture says when God breathed on Adam, he gave him a life-giving spirit. You have a spirit inside of you that God put there that will live forever somewhere. You will either live forever eternally in the presence of the Father, that's eternal life, or you will live forever eternally separated from the Father. 
And then John broke it down for everyone, even the child. When I share this message with little children, they understand it. It says, he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. My question to you this morning and those who are listening online, when you examine your heart, is Jesus there? Have you made a priority of him in your life? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner and you need a savior? Have you repented and turned to him? for the salvation of your soul. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The reason it says today if you hear his voice, because this is what we tend to do. You hear a message like this and the spirit is drawing you and you sense it. I remember that. I remember white knuckling in the back of the church as a 16-year-old. I'm like, well, Lord, what's going on here? And the spirit is just drawing me. But the more you say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. The call that God's put on your life, it's not that he stopped calling you, he's calling you, but there's a callousness that comes over your heart and you start hearing it less and less and less. Now I remember when I first heard the gospel, I don't recall ever hearing it before. The first time I heard it, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's God calling me. And the tears that came as I walked the aisle gave my life to Jesus. And then as I grew older, I'm like, oh my goodness, there are some people who hear this message over and over and over again, and their hearts are so callous. And they don't understand what's at stake. As a pastor, I'm the first one, one of the first ones to call when tragedy hits the family. I've done funerals for every age. As old as, Jim, how old was your, how old was your father? Or your grandfather, how old was he? He was like 90-something years old. He was like, he was 99 years old. Till as young as a three-year-old drowning. And almost every age in between. 20s, teenagers, 20s, 30s. Don't presume on the future. I've got all the time in the world. No, you may or you may not. That's why he says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Get serious with him today. And if God is knocking on the door of your heart, to me, the, the only sane thing to do to open the door, allow him to come in and receive the free gift of eternal life. When I say free, it's free to you, it's free to me, but it cost him everything. It cost him his life, it cost him his son, and that's why he takes it serious. Wait a second, you're going to reject such a precious gift all your life? and you think you're going to get into heaven based on your good works, when my word tells you it's by grace you are saved through faith, this not of yourself, okay? It's a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. There will be no boasting in heaven. 
You are not going to get to heaven based on how good you are, and neither am I. You're going to get to heaven only by the work that Jesus did and only if you have the Son. Do you have the Son? And if you're not sure, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of asking Him or even recommitting your life to Him because some of you are the prodigals. God called you, but you've drifted away and you're out there and things aren't going well and I thank God for the storms because if he let you stay out there and blessed you in your mess, you'd just be out there. And Jesus said this, what does it matter if you gain the whole world but in the end you lose your soul? And so if God is calling you back, you've accepted Christ, but you've drifted away, God is calling you and saying, come on, come on back home and understand the heart of the Father. You draw near to him. He runs toward you because he wants relationship with you. Does that make sense? And so at this point, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes. Or if you are, you're not sure, you want to make sure, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I thank you for the love gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you sent him to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I believe and I receive come into my life come into my heart and if you've already done it before and, you're, and you need to come back say Lord, Lord I'm recommitting my life to you today come into my life, come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior fill me with your spirit with your power and with your love and while every head is bowed and every eyes closed if you prayed that prayer with me today and you meant it, only those who meant it just step up your hand and say, I prayed with you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see you. I see you. God sees you too. I see both of you. And I don't have to see you online. God sees you. And he knows your heart. You've drawn near to him. He's drawn near to you. He's right there in the room with you, wherever you're at. Today is the beginning of a brand new life for all who've committed their life to Jesus Christ and received the gift of eternal life through his son. Father, you saw all the hands that went up today. I pray, Father, that you would bless them, that you would fill them, that you would um, start to speak to them because we serve a risen Savior and that you would start to put your desires in their hearts, that they would start to want what you want in their lives. And you said, for I know the plans I have, plans to prosper and not to harm plan to give hope in the future. God's got good plans for those who give their hearts to him. You belong to Jesus. Now look at me just for a moment. The scripture said in the moment, as many hands went up, in the moment you've accepted him, you've now passed by faith from, he says he takes your name and he writes it in the Lamb's book of life. You belong to him. You pass from death to life. And God is good. Amen.
Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.